You're listening to the Tour Station Western League podcast with Ian Knockholz and Tom Hiscott. Welcome, listeners, to episode 23 of the Tool Station Western League podcast. Um, my name's Ian Knockholds, and I'm delighted to be joined for a special edition of the Western League podcast, not by um, Tom Hiscott. We've given him the week off, um, but um, uh, we are joined by James Healy, the Western League's um, uh, social media manager, and by two old friends of the, of the podcast, um, Josh Thomas, the sports reporter with the Western Mercury and the North Somerset Times, and the godfather of Southwest Sports News. It is Ross Reed. Hello, Ross. Hello, Josh. Hello, Jim. Um, uh, we will come to you individually on this week's edition of the podcast. We will um, uh, be covering a number of issues, really cover, um, looking back over the over the season so far, the 22-23 season, of course, and looking ahead to how we feel it might climax uh, in this, this new year. Um, but we're going to kick things off, Jim, and I, I wanted to bring you in first. Because over the last year, we've talked an awful lot uh, on the podcast about mental health. And um, uh, we've had some really rather um, terrible tragedies at the end of uh, 2022. But we have put together a a special page on our website, haven't we, that brings together a lot of information that we hope people who might be struggling with their mental health. And I think, you know, in January, when the weather is 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 a bit naff, and, you know, we're very conscious of all the problems that are going on in the world, financial as much as anything else. Um, it, it would be understandable, wouldn't it, that people would be struggling a bit? It's a, uh, it's a big, big thing, um, mental health and self from it and reaching out to people. And we always say it's good to talk. Uh, so, yeah, we do a web page um, with a lot of links on there, uh, references back to people go on there and have a look. And if they're feeling down or just want to chat, basically, um, to, to reach out to these people and uh, yeah, and have a chat. It's, um, it's certainly good to talk. Um, you know, people you can always speak to. And uh, yeah, it's, um, yeah, have a look on the Tool Station League website basically for all the links and reach out to people, not just those guys, your teammates, your manager, the chairman, uh, anybody. Just uh, yeah, reach out and chat. As you say the weather is really, really bad. Um, with games being called off here and there. Uh, so you might not get that regular contact with your friends or your teammates, um, but I'm sure they'll all be at the end of their phone for you uh, to have a chat with. Um, um, yeah, the weather's nearly as bad as your line, Jim. So we'll um, we'll we'll keep um, 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 um we'll, we'll, hopefully we'll be able to nurse you through this this edition of the podcast. Um, I've, I've I did yeah, some research. No, that's all right. Don't don't. don't well, I'm just grateful for you joining us. Really. Um, I, I did some research at the start of the season, this football season, with the players uh, in the in the Tool Station Western League to try and explore some of the issues with their mental health and um. I was going to bring you in here, Ross, because I thought you—you you know, as obviously as a journalist, you—you you, you may well be interested. We, we haven't shared this actually before now, so it's a bit of an exclusive. Um, but nearly a third of the players that um, responded to the survey that I did uh, indicated that they had considered seeking some form of mental health support um, at some point in their life. And and half of those who indicated that they had considered seeking mental health support actually have have gone through with it they actually have seen it they've done that i mean which obviously shows that that, that there's half of them that, that never did um and and perhaps one of the one of the, the statistics that really struck me was that 51% of the players that responded to the research indicated that they had provided mental they had provided mental health support 
um, for a friend or a family member. So I think, although this obviously focuses, you know, just on the players, um, we often associate, um, obviously, them as as perhaps people who don't suffer from these issues. That just gives you some idea of the scale of the issue, even amongst those young men. Yeah, I think it's a massive societal um, issue. I, I, it's, it's not a problem, far from it. I think we should all talk more openly about our, our mental health. As you know, I, I've sought advice for it. Um, so I, th I think I'm with those guys. Um, I, I think Josh made a very good point before we came on air, and that is, which you've just touched on there, because we, we've talked about family members, uh, and Jim made another point, so I'll, I'll take them separately. One is that it affects society, so we should be on the lookout all the time at games. It's not just the players, it's, it's everybody committee members you know it can, it can go both ways and it is so good to talk about these things and talk with friends as you know I have so so that's one thing and I think the other thing I was going to touch upon there which is something we appear to have forgotten since the pandemic days and that is the vital role that football clubs play in the community as a community hub Jim and yourself you put out some great stuff from the league um, reminding people that the clubhouses are open and that they can meet people there. And and for some people, that is the highlight of their week. You know, I, I, I don't want to veer off the mental health line and go into loneliness, but the two are sort of quite closely connected. I think most mental health issues are to do with the fact that people are, are lonely as well. You know, they, they, they do coincide or gel together. So I think it's vitally important and I don't know how it can be addressed throughout the league, but it'd be nice to see us setting another sort of setting an, another initiative underway. And that is that, you know, say if games are closed, I think it's vitally important to remind people your game might be off, but maybe the clubhouse is open and, and you can go along there for a cup of coffee, cup of tea, see your usual, you know, all your mates who you'd normally see if the game was on. And I know clubs are very good, clubs especially that show games on TV, they tend to open up anyway and oh they have a bar so yeah long may that continue you know uh, and, and and as i say it's something to think about when the league amalgamates um i'd imagine yourself phil hiscox both committees it's worth thinking about if 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 even in dire weather sometimes clubs open on a saturday at game time just so people can go along and and and, and talk and, and and also it's good for the clubs you know it's income it's revenue but I don't think, you know, I think the thrust of our initiative would be looking after our community, which are absolutely vital to us. Yeah, absolutely. I think that's um, I think that's an, a, a, an excellent idea, Ross. A, a really, really interesting idea. Um, Josh, lovely to see you again. Thank you so much um, for joining us. Now, um, I, I, like Ross, of course, Ross covers um, um, sport, many sports, in fact, every sport across the entire southwest of England. Um, yours, your your footprint is a, is a little bit more um, specific, but I know you do take an interest in in you know in, in sport at different levels. And I just wonder, we we you know I've talked about this as being a sort of a Western League initiative. To be fair, this is a this is a societal issue, isn't it? And actually, I'm sure the things that I've identified are equally as applicable to the teams playing in the National League or the Southern League that that you cover, as well as the ones we talk about in the Western League. Yeah, 100%. I mean, there are some very good teams in this league throughout the world of sport. I mean, in this area especially, I mean, the Tour Station Western League is just something, you know, it gets me really excited. It's great to see that 
you know, there's so many teams and I think we have, you know, from what we've been through to what we have now, there are so, there's so many exciting things to come. I mean, we've had a really good first half of the season so far and I'm looking forward just to what the second half will bring and I'm sure it will bring more excitement, more thrills and more, just more everything. It's just really, really exciting. Well, if we're going to get um, any, if we're going to talk about any football, we're going to have to sort the weather out, aren't we, Ross? Um, I imagine that um, uh, that you've been rather busy over the last couple of weeks. <laughs> uh, a bit like the rain, it's been relentless, to be honest, Ian. The, the thing I should say, first and foremost, is that um, clubs have, again, post-pandemic, I, I guess we all missed the connections a lot. So post-pandemic, uh, the clubs, especially in our league, but, you know, across non-league have been phenomenal in letting us know when there's pitch inspections, if games are on or off. Um, yeah, there'll be some that slip through the net and, and, and there's bound to be. But as you know, we cover sort of, um, I, I have to top them up, Western League, Hellenic League, Wessex League, Southern League, National League. So there's, we cover five non-leagues and um, yeah, fantastic. And especially from our clubs, um, the Western League and, and, the, and the Peninsula League, of course, um, which we'll be amalgamating with. Um, just excellent. This, this, this awareness now that it's no good, you know, waiting till Saturday at two o'clock to tell people the game's off at three. And, and that doesn't, that rarely happens now. The only thing I, I think, I, I think you've seen it on my Twitter feed that I always remind people they should say games set to be on because there have been lots and lots of occasions over the last month or so. We had the big freeze and now we've had the rain. I'm sure Josh is with me on this. Well, you would be because you're a football fan and so is Jim. So um, what tends, what can happen is that everyone goes hammer and tong and says game is on. And if the referee decides the game is off, the game is off. So and there's been a, a number of occasions where fans have turned up, teams have turned up, everyone's ready to go. And you have one massive downpour lasting 20 minutes. And the referee, quite rightly, for the player's safety, calls the game off. Nothing we can do about that. So I always advise, you know, it doesn't always go in, but I always say to teams, try and put, rather than game on, which is great as a hashtag, you know, fantastic, but also maybe explain game set to be on, you know, if they've got enough room for that, just to say it's set to be on because the referee decides in the end. But yeah, I think I said to you off air, you guys before last Saturday, fine example, hundred thousand impressions on our Twitter feed before eleven o'clock, and that's because people want to know if games are on, if there's pitch inspections, you know, blah blah blah. And and that that's it's. It, I always think I, I never want this to be taken the wrong way. Hundred thousand impressions is neither here nor there. What I'm trying to emphasise is the fact that it's so busy and clubs. So clubs contribute to that. It's nothing that I do. They, well, there is something I do. I, I, I act as a hub for all of that. So they come in to me and tweet us and tag us in. But, you know, Josh is involved. There's so many people I can mention. Um, Roland down at Warminster, you know very well. Um, yourself, uh, Jim. Uh, you know, anyone who hears about a match that's off in our league tends to let us know about it. And it, it's just, it's phenomenal. Absolutely. And as you say, very, very busy. And I... And sometimes I don't get to have breakfast or lunch until late on, but it's it's worth every minute of it because without that service, you know, so many people might end up going to a game that was called off at say ten o'clock, and 
and it helps them out you know it's, it, nobody wants games called off but you have a better weekend if if you haven't turned up at a game at three o'clock and it was called off at nine in the morning or there's a pitch inspection at 9 30 or 10 and the game was called off and you you were unaware so it's all about awareness i mean we'll have a chat later in the pod about about sort of the power of social media but one of the things that i'm taken by i mean is is the sheer awesome impact that your your certainly your twitter platform has in terms of broadcasting information about pitch inspections and postponements i mean it, it, you know for football supporters across the, the the west of england it is a it is an invaluable um resource and, and we'll we'll have a little bit of a a chat about that about that later ross but I mean, I don't know about you, Josh. When I was looking at the fixtures uh, last weekend, it all got a little bit depressing because we, we were seeing, particularly in the Western League, sort of game after game after game, you know, go. And and I think one of the things about the rain as opposed to the sort of the snow is that, you know, it can, as Ross was saying, it can just appear out of nowhere an hour before kickoff and you're, and you're, and you're screwed. But one game that did manage to go ahead uh, in our first division on Saturday, the 7th of January, was Cheddar. And um, they took on um, Wing Canton, yeah. and that that Cheddar, of course, is one of the sides you cover. Yeah, there's that. I can't imagine. I can't begin to say just how great that performance was. Um, you know, to beat Wing Canton four-one in probably one of the best, if not their finest, performance of the season. Um, it was great. I think you know, social media again. I think the impact of tearing people the game looks like it's going to go ahead, keeping people updated throughout the yeah, day, yeah. despite the regular amount of games being called off left, right, and centre. Cheddar did it wonderfully. I think Bruce has done a wonderful job at Cheddar. Social media, he, get, he adds pictures to it. You know, he brings things to life of it. And every time you see the Treasury you see updates, you see pictures. I mean, other teams do that, don't get me wrong. But, you know, it's great to see updates, who scored the goals and have pictures. It's just a great understanding and brings it more life to me. But that game, you know, it was, I think it was one of only four games, I think, to go ahead on Saturday. Yeah, there's well. only four. One in the yeah. Premier which was Buckland, Sherborne, and as you say, only three in the Division One. And as Ian said, they, they were, they, I shouldn't laugh, but they, they do literally drop like flies. I sit there and I think, oh, I'll update the fixtures now, and I don't have time to do that because there's another game that's called off, and they, they drop and drop and drop. I think it was Clevedon that were hoping to go to, yeah. is that right, Clevedon at Street? And they were all thinking it was on, and given their due, again, Street informed, well, Clevedon were very good. They're very good. Do you cover Clevedon at all? Yeah, um, the people yeah. like like a their, their tweeted their Twitter yeah. team is phenomenal. I had a can I ask Josh a question, Ian? Is Go on, right? why not? Yeah, the, there's a, is there a new person doing the Twitter at Cheddar? Uh, no, I think it's always been Bruce at Cheddar, but Clevedon, I think it's someone coming in. I don't know. He's basically don't really know who he is, sadly, but I know he's basically brought in things like videos, he's brought oh, in fantastic. stuff. Fantastic. He's really I, transformed it. I think I've seen him before at a game a few weeks ago. I wasn't going to just talking about Cheddar, I wasn't going to say they're a brand, you know, brand new, as in like last week, but is it a new person this season? Because I, I remember having some sort of direct messages saying, you know, we'll, we'll get there, blah, blah, blah. It's, it, it really is a great Twitter feed. And they worked last week, yeah, just phenomenal. Yeah, Bruce Harvey. I think, I, th I think, in fact, Ian, I've just thought of something else. We should have a um, a Twitter team for the Premier Division and the First Division this season. We should have a Twitter team of the of the season awards because I think that would be more competitive in the actual games when when they're being called off left, right, <laughs> and centre. <laughs> 
<laughs> that's a good yeah that's another you're on a bit of a roll today ross that's another another good <laughs> idea um i feel a little bit of a um a, a fraud now asking you this james because um um we know we've just heard from ross that when 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 the when the fixtures are falling um um he's, he he doesn't even eat meals anymore he's that busy um, but of course, me and you, we we we're constantly checking our inbox because George McCaffrey sends through the the fixture, um, the 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 postponements, and then and then obviously you update um, our um, our feed. But I guess one of the things about social media is whether people are looking at their club, whether they're looking at the league, or whether they're looking at say um, Ross's um, Southwest News um, site. Really, that's one of the benefits of social media, isn't it? That trying to get as much information out there from as many possible sources, hopefully um, it will get through to the, to the paying public. Yeah, you say, the, the more we tweet about things, put stuff out in social, the, the better it is. It gets the league's name out there. It gets the club's names out there. Um, so yeah, if, I mean, Saturday, as Ross mentioned earlier, was a bit of a nightmare trying to keep up with all the postponements, uh, looking at club's Twitter feeds, looking at FA full-time, waiting for the emails from George um, and trying to keep up with it all was, yeah, it was a bit of a stinker. Um, <laughs> but, I mean, I'm just looking out the window here now. We've got thunder here, and I don't know if you guys can hear it. It was like real yeah. loud thunder. Um, and I'm looking out over a cricket pitch. Um, they certainly won't be playing cricket, but if this was a football pitch, they 100% won't be playing football either. There is puddles everywhere. So, um, I mean, tonight's games are... Have yeah. gone. They've both yeah. been postponed. Um, I'm guessing there must be some in doubt for Saturday already. Um, and I do feel so sorry for George because obviously we're limited on times when uh, fixtures can be put in. Um, he's got to take into account all the travelling and everything like that. So um, I think yeah, a shout out at the moment to, to George McCaffrey um, for the job he's doing of postponing, rearranging, and trying to fit in all the games. I think he deserves a medal at the moment. Well, of course, George has been a regular on the podcast and I've got a horrible feeling we're going to have to get him back sooner rather than later because as these postponements pile up, it will start to impact the um, um, the, the fixtures coming up in the second half of the season. And in many cases, of course, those games may well have an impact on promotion and, and, uh, and relegation. So... Um, even more riding on it before we actually do sort of take a look at the tables and you know the, the the sides that have been doing well and we had John Bowers the chairman of Sherbourne Town on the podcast last week now I know um Jim that jo John's a, a man you know you know very well I'm sure he was looking forward to his his I was going to say minibus I think it was probably more of a beer bus um down to Buckland but poor old John would have been drowning his sorrows on the way home I think yeah I, I mean looking at their socials um I think they enjoyed it, the people that went on the bus as well. I think they had one or two lemonades, I think. Um, but they had a, I know they had a fantastic welcome down there um, and had a, had a great day despite the result. Um, I've seen a couple of videos on WhatsApp groups that probably won't be made public, but uh, of the, the lads singing on the bus. And yeah, I think they enjoy it. I think the, they've embraced it. I think the trips down to Cornwall and I know. They, they love arranging a bus to go and they've got another one, I think, for the Saltash game. So yeah. they, they share yeah, the they bus have. with the team and that. And yeah, it's, it goes, they look forward to the away trips, I think. It brings everyone together, fans as well, that they fill it every time as well. So 52 seats with the players, coaching staff and fans that pay to go on the bus to go down with them. So yeah, they enjoy it. But as you say, I think John was drowning his sorrows after a, 
after a defeat. But yeah, they enjoyed the day. I know that. I think that is, though, part of what John was talking about on the podcast last week was this journey that Sherbourne are on, because obviously they've come up from the first division from from last time round. You know, I mean, John would like them to be higher up the league table. I'm sure you would as well. But actually, it's going to places like Buckland, you know, who've got such a pedigree in the Western League Premier Division now. And I mean, I I went there earlier this season. I went to watch them play Helston. And um, I mean, it was I I think that ground is it. I, I, I can't speak highly enough of it. I really can't. No, it's I think it's an absolutely wonderful football club. Yeah, I totally agree. I love it down there. Great place to watch football down there. And everyone's so welcoming. But then again, everyone in our league is. I think we're very lucky with the clubs mm. we've got in our leagues. I'm sure Josh and Ross will uh, testify. Wherever yeah. you go, you're always made welcome at every ground. It's, um, yeah, it's, it's good. It's good that we've got so many decent clubs in our leagues that welcome everybody. And yeah, it's just, Good days out, aren't they? When you go and watch, you made to feel like part of part of their family for the day. Jim, just before you go, did you hear me say earlier? Because you you were brilliant at that during the pandemic, reminding people about you know clubhouses and, and what an important community. You know, you've touched on it there. The welcome. I mean, it makes me think that sometimes clubhouses should be open on non-game days, even you know if the team's away. And and luckily, some most of our sides have got reserve teams anyway, haven't they? But it is important, isn't it? You know, if if people are out there and lonely, you know, sometimes all they've got is that. I, you highlighted it during the pandemic. I, I'd not thought of it. But that's all they've got is to go to the club and see all their mates on a Saturday for a few sherbets or or just a coffee and, and a chat, really, just to see their mates. Yeah, it is. It's, it's their one, as you said there, and I think Josh mentioned it as well, it's, it's their one day of going out and seeing somebody, isn't it? Their yeah. local football is the hub of their community. Um, I know some are open during the week, aren't they? If they're fortunate enough to be in a good position. I know it's Sherbourne, they're a little bit out of the town, so theirs is mainly on a match day and reserves and whatever. But I know other clubs do open uh, during the week. It's, it's invaluable income as well for them, isn't it? Having their bar open yeah. to show live games or whatever on the telly. But yeah, you're right. There is there's something about going to a football ground and seeing your mates and having a chat and a in my case, a lovely hot bovril. Beautiful. <laughs> we should also mention that a lot of these clubs, I don't know if you have mentioned it on the podcast yet, Ian, I don't think it has been, that a lot of these clubs have organised food banks over the festive season, and that was phenomenal. I, I only think of it because we were just talking about Sherborne, and I know they opened especially just so they could have a food bank session. So, again, I think, you know, fingers crossed in the future, I'd like to think that not just the Western League and the Peninsula League or the Amalgamated League. I'd like to think every sports club actually had a food bank in the clubhouse every day, that you know, every every weekend or every time they put on a game because I think things in society are going to get harder. So, you know, again, a, a pat on the back to all those clubs who did have food banks over the festive season, including Sherborne. Absolutely. Absolutely right. Um, now, Josh, one of the teams that, um, um, that that have been doing really well this season is one of the sides that you you covered. It was really interesting to hear you talk about them at the start of the season because they're a side that, I, I well, they were new to this, the, the league, the first division this season, so we won't have known a lot about them. I'm, I'm yet to get to Nailsie and Tickenham, but they are having an awesome season in, in the first division, aren't they? Nailsie and Tickenham have 
got really good grounding there. They've got really good people behind the scenes, good managers in Jamie Smith and Nick Stedman. You know, they've done it. They deserve all the sex that's coming. I mean, you could see it from that last season, from that one game at World against World. They had this belief they have installed helping each other. You know, they rebuilt really well in the summer, got really good playing from Jack Fawn from Cleveland United, scored a lot of goals, led them up to the table. I mean, I think it's just incredible to see how they do. And you've got to, you've got to get them in because it's a really good ground, really nice people there. And you just feel like what we said earlier, you know, every time you walk in, you feel part of their family. Oh, well, I mean, that is, that is nice to, that's nice to hear. And, um, mm. uh, you know, just looking at the top of the, the first division table, um, I know Wells City aren't one of the sides um, that you, that you cover in your sort of your professional life, but um, you have, you are familiar with their manager. I think he used to be, of course, at, um, uh, at, uh, at Cheddar. Uh, so um, um, we, we shouldn't really be too surprised that they're doing so well. And, and they're five points clear um, from, from Nails in Tickenham. Wells City on 65 points, Nails in Tickenham on 60. Yeah, Sean Potter is a manager who likes to get things going. He's very motivated. He's a very good manager. He knows exactly how to get the best from his players. I mean, it's no doubt he's a success at Wells. At Shadow, he was undoubtedly a great, fantastic from there. There. So every time you see Sean, you know, whatever team he's in charge of, whatever people he's got, he's going to get the best out of them. There's no surprise. I mean, I I I love to see both teams go up. Um, love to see the teams I cover go up. But at the same yeah. time, see, um, we all would, wouldn't we? But, you know, yeah. the Snakes of Wales, you know, Sean Potter's deserved, deserved this so far for the work he's put in. At Cheddar, he was unlucky, I think, a few times not to get promotion. Mm-hmm. He yeah. deserved that. I think Cheddar deserved that promotion a few years ago. Uh, unfortunately, it didn't work out for them at all. But, you know, this is this is not just like one season in the making. This has been years in the making for Sean. He's really worked hard. And, um, you know, he's really transformed as well. And I, I got to quickly add about Nails and Tickham before I was going to add... Uh, what I think is incredible about them as well is that, you know, they've scored this season around 80 goals or something like that, 82 or something like that, which is the highest of all the goals, you know, all the league, all the teams in the two leagues, which is outstanding for a, se- a team that's just come up from Somerset County League to actually be in their first season to score at this stage of the season of 82. I mean, they're on course with some records, aren't they, for that, you know, for the highest, I think a few weeks ago, they were like the top four in a country for goals in the country or something like that. So, you know, they are, they really deserve every success. Um, it's great to see them going far. And, you know, I, I really think this is not just, a, this is just beginning for them. You know, they I spoke to them last night about it and they said, you know, it's a bit, um, you know, it's been, you know, and, you know, anticipated it. And I think they really, it wasn't something they were expecting, but it's something they're living, they're relishing and they're enjoying themselves from it. You know, they, Play with the Santa Freedom, 10 wins from 11 games at home, making their home stadium a fortress look really dangerous every time. But, you know, Nelson and Tickham just, you know, and Wells, of course, both two teams are, are up there, and rightly so. Just behind, sat just behind Nelsie and Tickenham and Wells at the top of the first division table um, are Brislington. Now, they've only played 23 games. They've got 56 points. I think uh, a lot of us would have would have assumed that actually the first division title race was between Wells and Nails in Tickenham. But with those games in hand, you do wonder whether Brislington um, are the ones uh, who could come through both of them. Yeah, most definitely. I think, I think the other thing talking about new teams, look how well Showerhampton are doing. Mm. There seems to be a little block, doesn't there? Just behind that. If, if memory serves me right behind the top two, I think you've got, then got a little block of like Bristol and um, I think Odd Down are up there again. 
So you've got this little block of Bristol teams in there. And of course, there's, there, that, that, that always makes me smile is there's so many sort of local Bristol derbies during the um, season, you know, and in Division One now, they've got a lot to play for. So, you know, once once this weather's out of the way and we get going, it'd be, you know, amazing, to be honest. Yeah, it's, it's an interesting point. Now, you've mentioned the merger a couple of times, Ross, and we understand that, that it would be the top four um, yeah. at the moment that would be promoted from step six into step five. I mean, obviously, we've, we, may, we may have some geographical organisation to do um, when more is known about exactly where the divisions, you know, the footprints that they'll, they'll cover. But it makes it interesting, doesn't it? Because I know yeah. certainly last season when we had the playoffs, you had the race within the race. Uh, yeah. We've got the race for the title. We've talked about that. Wells, Nowsy and Ticken and Brislington. FC Bristol, you're quite right to mention them. But, but you know, they're currently occupying fourth place. But, you know, there's not much between them and Oldland who've got games in hand. Then you've got Shire Hampton, who you say you've done really well. Then you've got Odd Dan. And then Winkhampton and Warminster. And, I mean, look where <laughs> Warminster have come from. They couldn't buy a win at the start of this season. And now they're, you know, they're, they're right on the rails. And pardon the pun with Winkhampton. <laughs> Very good. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's 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 just because you know that's it. It's made it ultra competitive. So so you know that we cover the Peninsula League as well, and there's you know so again in those those divisions, the East and West, there is now so much to play for because, as you rightly say, you you could be a manager or at a club thinking if I can just nick into the top four, you know there could be two sides running away with it, lengths ahead of everybody, but. Um, you know, it'll be the next two or three. And that they, you know, Phil Hiscox called it at the start of the season. He said he, he thinks it'll be one of the most competitive Western League one and Peninsula seasons ever. And I think he's right. I mean, it really had, you know, and we were only halfway through. What is impressive, you talked about George earlier, and I've just noticed that really for all the postponements, the teams are fairly well up with their games. You know, so that's not too bad in both Premier and Division One. If you look through, it's almost like we are halfway of the season and we've done all right. So, yeah, all credit to the league for that as well. And Phil Hiscox in the Peninsula League. Um, and Josh, um, Portis Head, one of the sides that you cover, uh, they're sort of mid-table at the moment now in, in 11th. Do you think they're out of that conversation for who could hit the top four? I can't see why not. I mean, Port said I got five games in hand over four because Port said I played 21 and FC Bristol played 26. So there's there's every chance, you know, they could go on a good run. There were another team I think who I respect a lot who are, are really good down there. The likes of um, James Hughes, David Dave Hewitt, Eamon Daly, and Venton. You know, all of them have got something switched on down there. They've really got a really good side. You know. Of course, you, you, you're never out of it until you're out of it, you know. It, you could just give out everything you've got. But with the games in hand, they have, you know, everything everything I've to pay for. If you're thinking, Tool Station, I know they'll save me money, but do they have all the top brands? You know, DeWalt, Makita, Einhell, Stanley, Myra, Kudox, Nest and Santex. Yeah. They do. Over 15,000 trade quality products in the range from the leading brands with prices that are hard to beat. If you want a helping hand to save on your next job, try Toolstation. With over 300 branches, there's always a Toolstation near you. Now, if we take a look into the, the Premier Division, um, um, 
Ross, what do you what do you make of the runners and riders at the top of the table there? Because one thing we do know is that the top four won't be going into the Southern League. Yeah, I mean that it's um oh dear me. Look at the teams up there. I mean, um but we just said top four, you know, Saltash United, obviously top, Bridgewater, Mausel, they were there last season. Bridgewater again have got a fantastic track record. Saltash were there or thereabouts last season and they're right bang up at the top again. Buckland, Dan Hart's done it, doing a great job there. You, you know you've met sort of um, the Helston group. I mean, everywhere down to about, again, mid-table. There's the sides in there that are, are so good. You know, I just, I just think it'll just be such an interesting running. And of course, it's got a lot to do. Sometimes it's points on the board, whether you like those, or, or, or you know, whether whether you have got games in hand. I know Barnstable have got quite a few games in hand. Um, so have Helston, so have Falmouth Town, Aston and Batwell, who um, Josh covers. You know, so Clevedon. They've all got a lot of. You know, they could, they could. You pick up twelve points. You know, in a, on a run of four games, and you're right up in, in the top four with the Salt Ash Uniteds and the Bridgewaters and the Mousels and the, uh, the mighty Mallet, a town <laughs> called Mallet, the mighty Mallet. One of our favourites. They're, they're they're great guys there. You know, Jim called it right. I I I really can't think of any clubs. You know, they're, they're all very welcoming, very friendly. And although it's an ultra competitive league, there is again, I think social media part plays its part in that. It's it's really nice to see that teams appreciate one another. You know, it really is great to see. So long may that continue as well. Now I know we're about to lose um, uh, James because he's he, he's very kindly made some time for us um, today. Um, but Jim, I mean, I you know, obviously you and me, we've been doing this. Um, for a few seasons now, and um, obviously you've been following Sherbourne for for, for a long time. Um, I don't remember in the Premier Division, certainly I don't remember a title race as close as this one um, for quite some time because I'm I'm not sure. I certainly, I mean, I certainly think anyone from three can win it. I don't. I, if I start telling people who they are, people probably might might you know give me a hard time. But but certainly I I don't. I think it's too close to call at the moment. It's it's, it's exciting though, isn't it, for us a lot. Every week, looking, there's always there's a surprise as well. Like you look at Saltash, we thinking well, they're, they're walking this at the moment, and all of a sudden lose a couple. Same with Bridgie as well. Um, they were looking really strong, and then all of a sudden draw a couple of losses. They, they pulled back a bit. It's just I would like to say who's going to finish at the top. It's, it's too hard to call, which again makes it more exciting for us Herberts than that. It's something exciting to look at every week, thinking who's going to beat who. Who's going to be up there at the end of the season? I, I prefer it like this rather than someone running away with it. I'd rather be really tight and we can't call it. It gives us all something to talk about more on the podcast as well. Certainly does. Um, thanks very much for making the time um, for us today, Jim. Um, um, we'll let you. We'll let you crack on. Um, but. Really, Josh, that gives us a great opportunity to sort of um, um, to come to you because um, I know that probably the top of the Premier Division isn't a part of the league table that you give a great deal of uh, thought to. But um, one of your sides, Ashton and Backwell, well, they're locked in a mid-table battle with Clevedon Town, the other side that you cover. And Ashton's form over the festive period has been has been pretty has been pretty good. 
Yeah, it really has. Back-to-back wins against Cajun and Kadbahif. It's really good to see that, you know, I think it's great for the size. You know, they really deserve it. They've put the hard work in behind the scenes. It's been a very, you know, last season, you know, hard to get Madrin. I think we said before, you know, to get Tony Beecham in. But I think he's got his size. He's starting to get players in. He knows well. And they're just they're going from strength to strength to strength with it. And I can I can see only good things for them in the second half of the season. Um, Ashton and Batwell, for me, are a bit of a blueprint for clubs like Wellington and Cadbury, Heath and Canesham. You know, the sides that currently find themselves at the bottom of the Premier Division table. Um, you know, it's a competitive league, but you know, all of those sides have had good performances this season. And that was very much how Ashton and Batwell finished last season, wasn't it? They, you know, they I know they, um, they, they gave the very top sides in the league a real run for their money. And they seem to have taken that... Uh, form, you know, that that confidence into this season and and are showing that actually it is possible to push up from the bottom of the table into into you know into mid table. Definitely, and I think it's important to know that stability is another thing as well. You know, you, I, I think Tony Beecham's done a wonderful job since he's come in there, but you know, it's going to take time just coming into the side. You know, with the pe- team you got, so by doing what he's done, being able to take it from where they were this season to mid table. It's fully deserved, you know, and it just shows that it gives hope to all the other teams thinking, you know, can I come and do the same? Yes, you can. It, you know, football is a funny old game. One minute you could be top of the game, next you could be at the bottom. You know, nothing is set in stone, but we do know that you can learn lessons, you can learn what, how, what from your side, make sure you get better. And, you know, it's, there's nothing to hope, you know, you can keep going. If you're determined like Ashton Backwell have been, who knows where you can lead up to. Uh, one side that's been having some funny results recently. In fact, well, Saltash and Bridgewater have been having some some funny results recently. But that seems to have have brought um, that's closed up the pack. And um, I wonder, um, Ross, whether whether you think that really sort of will mean that Jay Cash at Mausel is fancying his chances, perhaps in a way that a month or so ago he, he might have thought that they were out of it. Yeah, I, you could never write Mausel off or or Ashy. Um... They're, they're a superb set. You know they've got a superb set, set up down there at Trendle Park. Um, they might be in the west of Cornwall, but they're season after season, they're top of the league. So, you know, near the top. Um, I think an interesting thing as well that we've not touched upon is that whenever I look at a table, I always do that sort of inverted thing. I always turn it on its head. And um, Josh has quite rightly said Ashton had a good festive season, but... It's 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 the anomalies you can never count for, and that's why football is such a great game. So, so if I said to you, Tor Point Athletic, um, they just picked up seven points from their last three league games, and the Mill is going to be a bit of a fortress. Okay, they beat Ashton three-one. Uh, that might not raise too many eyebrows. They drew with their local rivals, Millbrook. Again, not too many eyebrows raised. And then I, I say to you, you know, would you fancy them to beat Buckland Athletic 4-2? Well, no, you wouldn't. But Dean Cardew, you know, again, he's got tall point playing really well. And and that's what you've got to think about. It's, it's not just the teams at the top and playing each other. It's who they've got to play down at the bottom. And, and is there a weak team in the league, you know, ever, you know, in any league? So, um, and thankfully not in, in our two divisions. So... There's a long way to go, but to answer your initial question, Mausel definitely up there. Shepton Mallet definitely in the running. You know, they're going to be there or thereabouts. And uh, Buckland, like I said, you can't write anyone off. 
Helston could come out of the. Yeah. You, you just need a really good run, and then and the next thing you know, you're looking at somebody like a Helston or a Barnstable, and they're right up there. So it's it's halfway in the, through the season, and it's still as hard to call as ever. So may, long may that continue. But uh, maybe right down till you know, there's half a dozen games to go, and then we'll we'll have a fairer picture. Well, it's certainly very, very exciting um, stuff. Uh, now, one thing that we have sort of touched upon a, quite a bit in a, in 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 a roundabout way in this uh, in this discussion is the merger between the Western League and the Southwest Peninsula League. And I know before we came on, Ross, um, you mentioned that you know that's something that that the people that you see at the games, uh, it, it's been a real topic of conversation. It's it's something that's really captured the imagination of the of the sporting public massively. It's um... I think I said to you, I was at I was at Parkway recently, and um, you know, bearing in mind that they've gone, that they've now gone two divisions up from where we're, we're talking about now, um, and congratulations to them for that. But but it's not about them; it's about the fact their fans are taking such an interest in the Western League, uh, and I know that's because there's, um, I mean, there's there's not a Western League team from Plymouth, but there are Peninsula teams from Plymouth. So they're really interested in what's going on in the Western League and with the Bristol teams. And again, I think we should thank social media for that. It brings everybody so much closer together. You know, gone are the days where you have to wait days until you know about something or, you know, uh, it happens immediately. You know, somebody from Bristol might message somebody from Cornwall. And I think that's where... Don't tell me off if I'm wrong here, but where, where there was some criticism about the geography of the league, i.e. West Cornwall, Mousel, all the way up to Bristol and, and Gloucestershire. It's actually something that we've not seen or foreseen. It's actually brought everyone a lot closer together so that, that the Mousel... And, and, and don't get me wrong, this has happened with, say, the Wessex League. I know there's a Millbrook in the Wessex League and there's the Millbrook in our Premier Division. And I keep uh, I keep hoping they draw each other in the bars or something, just because it'll be... But, you know... I think they're aware. They're now aware of each other, and that's the the wonder of social media and the World Wide Web as a whole. We know brought everyone together out there, but we've we've now got our own little community, and it, and it it really is rocking along very well. Thank you very much. I I guess um, Josh, if we we think about the um, the merger from your perspective, perhaps the success that Nailsey and Tickenham have had this season, mm. or indeed a Portishead. If yeah. if uh, they had gone up um, this time last season, um, the prospect of playing step five football with the footprint that it was would have been quite quite a daunting task, I, I imagine, for a club like them. But perhaps this one of the benefits that comes from this proposal is that it's a much more manageable route map up the up the pyramid system than than the one that we were facing or the ones that clubs have had to face over the last two seasons. Yeah, definitely. I think, but I think teams like Nelson and Tickham are coming to this really well. You know, they have no fear. And I think even if they were faced with that task of going up, they would have faced it the same way as they have done. Uh, but it's great to see, you know, that they, it'd be cheaper, um, more local games, more helpful towards each other. I think it's great to actually see that clubs actually have the opportunity of not being able to spend all day on the road. You know, they'd be able to get there earlier, they'd be able to enjoy themselves but you know that's why I think the camaraderie between the two teams between the team the players you know that's where it comes into play and by going up I think you know next season could really be well should be exciting for people involved 
Um, now, Ross, I, I know you're an avid listener to the Western League podcast, so you'll you'll have noticed that um, discussing the merger is something I've made a point of doing with with the managers um, this season. Yeah. And yeah. Um, I, I, and I think we have to be sort of fair in reflection that whilst certainly the, the majority of managers I think I've spoken to have, have welcomed um, the the decision, um, there have been some who have certainly been disappointed that it will mean that those sort of monster clashes with the you know the powerhouses of Cornish football, say with the Helston Athletics, um, who 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 relish the opportunity to test themselves out against the Shepton Mallets and the Bridgewater United and the Clevedon Towns, there is a there is a sense um, from some of those managers that perhaps um, um, something you know uh, 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 something has been lost. Is that something that you have some sympathy with? It is, but do you know what, Ian? Well, I don't know why I've not asked either you or Phil Hiscox this, um, but I was just sitting here thinking, I, I knew what was coming, I think, but is there going to be a league-wide, like a League Cup competition? Because if there is, that is going to be phenomenal. If, if it covers, you know, so those, those, those games might crop up, and, and if there's a cup that covers the whole league, um, you know, I you will get you will still get the chance to play a Mausel or a Helston or vice versa. You'll get a chance to play a Bridgie if you're a Cornish side. Then that cup competition is 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 going to be is going to be great, to be mm -hmm. honest. So are there plans afoot for that? Do you know? Well, I, I can reveal that um, all of this will be revealed um, on March the sixteenth, um, well, when I think when the when the sort of the the, the, yeah, the plan that. is is yeah. is unveiled, which which was something that of course um, Phil and uh, John Paul um, discussed yeah. when with, with me before. So I, I know that sort of detailed discussions. But you, I, I, it would let, I think we we can safely say that it would be rather odd for a league like this not to have a cup competition. Um, oh. So so that so quite. Like the, the, the make the makeup and nature of that is yet to be announced, but I'm 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 I'd like to think you won't be disappointed. Actually, it's an interesting point, Ross, and I, I'm just thinking myself from the conversations. You know, I, I've just asked you a question about the conversations I've been having with the managers, and you can understand why those individuals would want to test themselves against the best opposition available. And I guess the same can be said for the players. But one of the points that's been made to me this season is that players, of course, have got their own social and economic pressures, whether it's work or whether it's family commitment. So actually, the prospect of the travel of long days away might not be particularly um, appealing to them. And then we've got the supporters. We, we, I'm sure we'll all know them, those supporters that travel home and away and relish the opportunity to go to new grounds. And then there's other supporters like myself, to be fair, who have to pick and choose the games we go to and how far we can travel based around sort of other other commitments. So there's all of these different constituencies, isn't there, that are going to become, yeah. that of course are currently part of our football family. They're going to they're gonna have to coalesce around this this new arrangement but it does feel that there is something in there for everyone i think there will be i, I you know i'm a big fan of it you, you you and phil hiscox know and you've had had me in your ear about this for seasons and i'm sorry if that disappoints anyone but i'm so excited by the the prospect of a southwest regional football league um call it what you will but that the, the fact it covers the whole region um, I'm sure Josh is the same as me. And, and as I say, if there is a cup competition thrown in as well, um, we already have such fun with the Vars. And, and as you know, the, the teams are playing this weekend in that. But um, I just, I, I, the life of me, I, I'm very positive about it. And it's probably wrong to ask me, uh, do I have any negative thoughts about it? Because 
quite frankly, I don't. Um, but I, I can understand, you know, that, that some people are going to miss out. But I think, you know, I think as we saw when the league was altered by all the Cornish teams flooding in, you're always going to have people that, that kick back against it. You're always going to have whatever you, you could have the best competition. You could be running the best league in the world stroke universe. And there will always be those detractors and those that moan and you know whine about it. And I think it's again down to the majority that hopefully 90% of us are positive about everything to do with it. Um, let's look ahead then to the fixtures on the 14th of January. I'm going to start with you, Josh, because one of your sides is in um, FA Vars action. Uh, Clevedon Town, they take on Harefield United. And um, uh, this really is a, it's a fairy tale cup run for them, isn't it? It is, yeah. I mean, Clevedon <coughs> Town have just been uh, really looking from strength to strength, you know, and Alex White. And I think this competition is an opportunity to progress, you know. Could be the first, third time or second time in three years they get to the fifth round if they get over Harefield on um, Saturday. So yeah, it's a great competition. White um, is saying says to me before he just really wants to go and go and get through and make history and do it. I think they, the club they got they've got in them to do well. Um, but there's a lot of things going for there. You know, Cleveland have really got something special at the moment going through. I think with their teams, well, I think they're. 16 players in their first team squad who have come through the other teams have accumulated over 1,000 appearances in the thing. So that's what's so special is that Wright is dealing with players he knows very well from when he was the academy coach with them or the under-18s coach. And now you're seeing a full fruition of it. You know, you're seeing the whole benefits of what they're achieving. And Saturday is going to be just another massive game for them. So you're confident of a Clevedon win? I'm gonna, I, I'm going to say Cleveland are going to absolutely beat them. Yeah, there's no reasonary cards. I think Harefield, in fairness to them, have done really well the way they've got to the competition. Uh, you got to be careful with the striker Richard Paquette. You know, to make up international, uh, played for Hampton at Anfield a couple of years ago. So they will be. They'll know about him a bit. But yeah, there's no doubt in my mind that Cleveland will go and get the win. And it will be a big boost to them to be playing at home, of course. Yeah, being at home is is massive. Um, a different act, uh, sort of different act. Stadium. The Hatton Stadium um, is a great opportunity for them. You know, it's a great, you know, for absolute revenue for them. And I think being home, you know, if you're home, you always think you've got more of a chance. You've got your own fans there. You've got a chance to think, yeah, let's let's do this. Let's go and show people just what we can do. And I think being home, you know, they'll get a good crowd there hopefully as well on Saturday. So yeah. There's no reason I can't go through and being home will just give them that massive and add a bonus. Excellent stuff. And um, and Ross, um, two other games featuring Western League sides, Bridgewater at home to Eris Town and um, Buckland Athletic, they entertain Ascot United. And I always think it's a real shame that that uh, that uh, Wincanton have never played Ascot United because somebody would definitely be at the races then, wouldn't they? But um, <laughs> both of those both of those games um, are at home. Um, so there's a real chance for Western League sides to be progressing further into this season's competition. Yeah, I know uh, when the draw was made, um, I ought to also point out, you know, because people, you know, just with my regional head on, but um, as well as Buckland, Clevedon and, and Bridgewater being at home, um, luck would have it, Brixham and Caution, who we, we both know, you know, a lot about. And as I say, we all pay attention to the sort of regional football family now. So all five clubs drawn at home. 
So that was quite wonderful. In fact, I think, I don't know if they play their games on Jersey, but Jersey Bulls were drawn at home as well. So so you could say six sort of regional sides were drawn at home. But yeah, I, I, I think jo Josh touched upon it there. Home advantage at this stage of the competition, you know, last 32. And um, I think, um, I'm just got to get my head right. Yeah, it is last 32. I always forget with the fourth round if it is 32 or 16. But yeah, last 32. Yeah, when you think of that, that out of 16 ties, our three teams are all drawn at home. Fantastic. Uh, because I think it is a big advantage. You know, having seen so many teams win the buzz from this area, the Tauntons, the Tivertons, you know, blah, blah, blah. Home advantage on those runs. I've covered yeah. those runs. And it, it plays a massive part when it gets to this state. Not so much early doors, because I think, you know, then anything can happen. But... When you when you start getting down to the top thirty-two non-league sides playing, you know that's you want to be at home really facing somebody. So we should wish them good luck, shouldn't we? All three. We certainly do, and actually, I think we should all be doing a little little dance to the weather gods as well, because oh, and that's the other yeah. thing, isn't it? We really uh, what won't help those any of those sides progress in the competition is if they have to um, rearrange um, the fixture. We hope that those games get on. Yeah, well, as you say, the, the only worrying part, and I think I sent a message to Buckland's top Twitter team this morning, I was saying that we, we I think the forecast for the weekend, I don't know if you two guys have looked at it, the forecast for the weekend, so after this podcast comes out, but the forecast is that it, it's it's pretty warm, and well, not necessarily warm, but it's going to be dry. That's That's quite good. The worrying thing is the bands of rain that are coming in overnight on Wednesday, all the way through Thursday and whether we get any more rain Friday into Saturday. So uh, I think we should always remember that the amount of rain we've had means that pitches are saturated already. Yeah. You know, bless them, our teams are amazing, but they don't have under soil heating. They don't have grounds teams that are professional and full time. You know that they rely on volunteers and 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 they do a cracking job to get any game on in winter let alone one when there's been you know as we said the big freeze followed by the the <laughs> the torrential rain um whether any whether we're going to have another drought this summer i don't know but judging by the rain we've had some some weather dances have been answered the rain dance was answered <laughs> Um, well, gents, um, I think we've nearly come to the end of our, our time now. The um, um, Thank you so much for um, for giving me your time. Um, just one thing before I signed off. Um, obviously, Ross, we've, every time we've talked to you on the podcast, we've made a point of sort of emphasising the importance of, of social media and in particular Twitter. And before we sign off today, I hope, hope both of you, you know, will please let the listeners know where they can follow you on social media um, because, um, you know, I enjoy your work and I'm, I'm, I'm it, it, you know you want to get it to a bigger audience but um i think one of the problems with with social media if we can take a conversation in a slightly different direction is that i mean it, it, it it's not always a, a productive pleasant place it can it can be it can be a difficult place and i'm sure that there have been times where even you ross as a massive advocate for the platform have found content challenging and and and, and perhaps upsetting and i just wondered you know do, do you have any sort of golden rules about how you use it or perhaps sometimes how you might you might just put it to one side for a while just to sort of um just to just to sort of help you manage um the use of it um it, it, you know because it's something that you work with so often 
Yeah, I do. I, I, I've started in, um, we touched on it earlier, uh, um, not mental health wise, but I just think it's good for you for your health full stop. Obviously, your mental health is to I, I have started taking breaks. I, as you well know, both of you, I never used to take many breaks at all. And I was working 16 hours a day and the Twitter was always there. But I've now started to just be kinder to myself um, because, as you say, it's not always um positive and what i did find was happening which was upsetting me myself because i'm an advocate for just using it for positive purposes i'm really not interested in um anything as little as sendings off and and fracasses during games and and or anything like that I, 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 or tittle tattle it just doesn't interest me because i think if i fall into that trap of starting to be negative myself which I did, I think. I think I went through a spell of starting to be, you know, it, it can have that effect on you. It can have that downward spiral in, in much the same way as it can upwardly spiral you. It can bring you down a bit. And I don't just mean me personally. I mean the actual, the, the content of my Twitter feed. So I, I was very aware of that. And so, yeah, I take breaks now. That's the, the golden rule is, um, and, and the other golden rule is if anyone's being ultra negative and, and you're tagged into it, I just totally ignore it and move on not interested. Josh, I love following your Twitter feed. Um, you you put out a, a love, some wonderful content, particularly, obviously, I'm interested in what you put out about Western League sides, and I've really enjoyed a lot of your content about now's in Tickenham. I think you've spoken today about with them with, with a real sense of uh, uh, passion, and, and that comes through in your in your writing. But for a journalist, um, obviously, somebody at the, at the beginning of your career, Twitter is a really important mechanism through which you can share your work and hopefully build your portfolio. But I guess you have to be conscious as well um, of of how to use it and 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 perhaps um some of the more negative sides of people's interaction with you definitely um i'm the same as ross i would i would never engage with negative i always try to post positive things if i can on twitter to ensure you know i always there's always a rule for me is that i think first post second not post first think second i always think before i post thinking what will people get out of it what is people um going to take from it but most importantly for me, I, I I don't want to rush at all. Um, so like that, for someone who has, and I can only be admit this, has I've had abuse on a platform myself in the past. And it kind of it wears you down and makes you think you're doing a terrible job. It makes you feel so low. Um, and to this, even to this day, I still feel like it, it still affects me more than it should. Um, I can't put, I don't think I should let it affect me the way it does. But Social media is a very good place because it helps you connect with teams, it helps you connect with players, keep an eye on what's going on and updates. But if you take away the positive spin on it, the downside is the hours you put in, the work you put in, and you feel like you get no or little recognition at all. The times you feel you're absolutely not getting to someone or and then you're opening up yourself for someone to come along and then just attack you with it. I mean, Sometimes uh, we've got to take a look on what we post and think, you know, we won't say that to someone's face. So why are we saying that in the open as well? We, I get, we sometimes get heated up after the result. We get frustrated over certain things. But instead of basically turning on people, treating people, and basically sending hurtful comments to people, just do yourself a, a nice in a nice way. Do yourself a favour and look at what the impact it could have. Um, I know from my personal experience, it's I've I struggled a lot recently more than I've ever have, and there are times I feel like, as much as social media is a good thing, 
I just don't, there's a times I just want, don't want social media at all because I don't want to do that. But again, you know, you shouldn't let those negative people, the bad people take you down. I mean, you can have so many good comments, but it just takes that one comment to take away everything you've taken. Um, social, but social media is a very good thing. It's good uh, just to ensure what's going on. But, you know, social media can be such a disaster, a destructive spiral thing that can take you down. And before you know it, you just don't, it makes you feel absolutely, oh, I can't, I, I, I can't do this. And even to this day, you know, I, you can have a bad day, you feel like you're doing absolutely nothing. Uh, or you feel like you, what you do is not being well received. Just know that your work is good. And that goes for anyone on social media, that goes for anyone on the um, platform, you know, the teams, the players, you know, I, I have to say all the teams, I thought Nelson Tickham did really well in their social media yesterday in the game against Bath yeah. City. The way they kept people updated with what was going yeah. on, the update and then the inspection at three o'clock, kept them well updated. And then you had over 200 fans there that night. You know, they really deserve that and much, much more. But everyone who does a job on Twitter from the teams to people behind the scenes, you do do a good job and you are valued. Remember that. But just remember that don't don't let social media bring you down the way it can because you know social media is such a great place but can be such a destructive place too very very wise words um there josh um i will continue to enjoy um sharing your content because i i, I do think it's wonderful so um and that obviously goes um for you too ross so just in case there is anybody listening to this and i find it difficult to believe that there is who hasn't heard of southwest sports news what's your handle on twitter SW for Southwest Sports News. So it's SW Sports News. And Josh, where can we find you? You can find me on JDP Thomas. So that's JDP Thomas. That's where you get my content from, all the teams, all the players. That's where you can find me. Yeah. That's brilliant. I've got one last job to do. That's a parish notice. Uh, it gives me great pleasure to announce that uh, there's going to be an evening with Ian Holloway. Um, that's at the King's Theatre in Cheddar uh, on Wednesday, the 15th of February this year. That kicks off at 7.30. Uh, further information is available from thelittleboxoffice.com slash Cheddar Arts. And the, uh, the tickets there cost 20 quid. And that event is in support of Combat Stress for, vent uh, for veterans with mental health. Um, Ross, thank you so much for your time. It's lovely to see you. I hope you have a good um, 2023, and I look forward to uh, to us summing up the season, perhaps at the at its exciting climax. That would be great. And and also, it would be great if a lot of people go on and see Ollie, because he's a character. I spent uh, many a good time with him, down to the fact that I, I, I still own uh, some of his tracksuits. He handed over to me when he was at Argonne <laughs> so, with the same sort of fit. But uh, yeah, try and get along and help that great cause. And it'd be great to catch up with you guys again uh, anytime. Excellent stuff. And Josh, thank you so much for your time and uh, today again. It's lovely to catch up with you. And um, will you be getting to a game this Saturday? Yeah, more than likely. I, I'm not sure if I'm just going to the rugby. I mean, I, I'm going to have a chat, but Western rugby are playing. Western Hummer playing, um, so we're going to try and split up a, between a few. If I can get going, I will get to the um, uh, to, to a, um, FA Fast game or there, but I think it'd be more likely to be Western Rugby. But i got to say quickly before I forget, on that event with Ian Holloway, I just want to say that the one who's organising it, Alan Cooper, has done absolutely wonderful to arrange it. He's done exceptionally well to organise what's going on. And I think it's great to see, you know, the event. If anyone can go, do so. And the work that Ireland's put in, you know, he's it's second to none. He really is a great guy and he's an advocate for the league. It's people like that in this league that 
you know, you look up and go, you know, the wonderful work they do. There's so many people out there like Alan who um, put all the work in and we, we should be grateful and thankful for all the volunteers, all the players, um, all the managers and all the people who give up the time at the league as it is. Because, you know, without them, we wouldn't be where we are today. Well said. Well said, that man. Yes, there is only one Alan Cooper. There's only one Tom Hiscock. He'll be back on next week's edition of the Tool Station Western League Podcast.